All right, what's up, guys? This is the controversy with Laquita Middleton. I am your host, Laquita Middleton. And hey, guys, thank you so much for listening in. Now, this podcast is actually pre recorded from September the 25th, and we have some good, good things to talk about today. I was just scrolling through my Instagram. Scrolling through the ground, guys. Go check out my um, Instagram. It is the Controversy Podcast. Make sure you go ahead and like that. Send it and share it with your friends so we can get your friends um, in on this. But guys, I'm looking at the comedian Godfrey. You all know him. He's a really, really funny guy. Uh, Makes you laugh like in the first few seconds of him speaking. He is very, very funny. Now, he was on the the, um, he was doing a doing an interview with Vlad. And but, you know, Vlad, guys, Vlad interviews every single body, anybody who is of any importance to the hip hop culture. He interviews them. So in an interview, in an interview, the part one of this interview, and Godfrey had to come back and uh, record a part two, which is the video that I saw, he was talking about how the world was blaming China for coronavirus. And because of that, China felt like they needed to force all of the black people out of China and send them back home to other places like Nigeria and wherever they came from. So this was happening, guys. I know this to be true because I've seen so many articles on this online, seen videos of, you know, the treatment that black people were receiving in China. And the reason that China started sending black people out of China, they were blaming coronavirus on black people. (laughs) <laughs> we all know that that is not, we all know, no, no, we know that not to be true at all, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So what started happening was that different countries in Africa were sending Chinese people back home. So this was the concept or the content of what Godfrey was saying in his first video. He was saying that, okay, China wants to send um, black people out of China. How about the places in Africa where Chinese people are? They need to go back and actually expel them from Africa. So the thing is, with Godfrey's comment, he was actually talking about an old, old principle. And that principle is an eye for an eye or two for two. If you do something to me, then I should reciprocate what you have done to me, but reciprocate that action to you. So um, Godfrey goes on to talk about how much hate messages, um, how many um, death threats that he um, had with um, Chinese people and Asian people. Really, it it wasn't just um, too uh, directed from um, Chinese people, but Asian people from other Asian countries started sending him death threats saying that he better not come back over to Asia to do any of his shows. And he was like, look, dude, I'm a comedian. I'm going to do my shows and you're not going to, you know, try to scare me out of making my money doing what I love best. So he goes on to say, he goes on to say the whole hypocrisy in this particular thing, besides the fact that black people, of course, did not cause coronavirus. It came from the bats that they were eating, um, 
in um, China because the food there um, wasn't regulated. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but what was really, really um, hilarious was the fact that Chinese people use this as an opportunity to be racist towards black people by forcing them out of the country um, over this whole coronavirus pandemic. But then when they were talking to him in his um, inbox, his DMs, you know, they were DM him and, and everything. Um, he said that they were cursing him out and blessing him out in, um, well, blessing in the, um, a negative way, <laughs> um, using black terminology. So using the N-word, yes, it came up. So Chinese people, like, he was like, wait a minute, are you all um, black? <laughs> you know, like, who, who are you? <laughs> like, just by the way that they were speaking their vocabulary that they were using, he didn't even know what race they were because they were so ingrained in our culture that they couldn't understand the hypocrisy of what they were doing. So you can love our culture. You can embrace our culture. However, comma, you cannot embrace the people who bring you the culture. So it's a whole dichotomy that we're looking at here, guys. You have to really, really start looking at things on a deeper level. Do not embrace the culture if you cannot embrace the people who brought you the culture. And that's a thing that that's an idea that we have all over this country in the United States and actually in lots of places all over the world. As we become more globally minded, you know, with this pandemic, a lot of people have been thinking about how life is in other places other than the United States, because in the United States, we have a certain type of perspective that leaves us, leaves us very, very close minded. But even when I'm having that idea about the people in the United States, and then I hear about or hear interviews um, such as this one with Vlad and Godfrey, the comedian, I'm listening like, um, this is a worldwide phenomenon. We have these types of ideas in our head about people who do not look like us. And because we are too afraid to merge with that culture or get to know people of a different culture, we would rather stay within our own cultural groups. What that creates is a certain type of ignorance that makes it so that when two different cultures collide or not necessarily collide, but when those two different cultures come together, there is tension. And if it's not tension from both sides, it's actually tension from at least one side. And then it leads to a negative interaction between those two cultures. Now, I went to college over in Kentucky. <laughs> I went to Berea College in Kentucky. And one of the things that I experienced when I was there, and I love the college, it's like a second home to me. But one of the things that I experienced as a student there was the fact that a lot of the white students who were there admitted to us that they had never seen a black person in real life until they came to Berea. So they were looking at us in fear as if all of the stereotypes that they had actually seen on TV, um, idolized in um videos, possibly um, in the media, in the news, because when you look at how Black people are represented in the news media, we're not um, shown in a positive light. 
And that brings us to the whole case of Breonna Taylor, who unfortunately lost her life to senseless police violence not too long ago. And what is really disheartening about this particular case is that this young lady worked as an EMT. She was um, chilling at her house so much so that she was actually asleep. <laughs> and while she and her boyfriend was there, police just came into the house and just started shooting up the place. And as we saw um, very recently, extremely recently, within the last few hours or a day or so, is that the officers were not charged with her murder. This child is dead. This young lady is dead. All of the greatness that she was about to um, have with her life, that she was about to put out to the world, now she no longer has that opportunity to actually do that because of the acts of these racist cops who thought it was okay to come into a person's house and start shooting aimlessly. They, they did not care who they shot. And if you remember, um, right after it happened, they tried to charge her boyfriend who was actually there in the house. And thankfully, those charges were dropped. But tell me, how does her boyfriend, who's also a victim in this particular situation, he's innocent in this total situation, how does he have charges brought against him and the officers who is responsible for Brianna's death don't have charges brought against them? So out of all of the officers who were involved, out of all of the officers who were involved, guys, only one officer was indicted. That means formally charged with basically recklessly shooting recklessly into her house. So in that particular instance, guys, this is like a slap in the face. It's a real, real slap in the face because it's like, when is it okay to be black? Is it okay to be black and you happen to live in China? What if you are black and you happen to live in London? What if you are black and you happen to live in the United States? And let's stop even talking about the geographic location of where you are. Is it black? Okay to be black and live in, say, I mean, well, you're living in the United States, for example, since we are here. But is it okay to sleep? Is it okay to um, stand outside of a convenience store? Is it okay to talk with some friends in a park? as a kid? Is it okay to walk back home from the store after you want some snacks? Is it okay to be walking in a park? Is it okay just to live? And the same story still happens, guys. Oh, um, will you fit the description of a, um, of a suspect in this area? When will people actually ask to see proof of a phone call or some type of case that has been working to prove that there was actually a suspect who fit the description of the person that the police officer is talking to. So guys, we're not in this thing just to have a conversation. We've had a conversation for over 400 years. So what do we need to talk about? We know what the issues are. One of the things that we also see 
in this whole um, type of living in this world is that people always expect for black people to be the bigger person. This problem with racism in the world, in the United States, this place where we live, this is not a black person's problem. We, we are the recipients of this hate. So people always talk to black people like, what are you going to do? What can be done about this racism? The problem is the people who are racist have to get to the point where they're no longer racist. I told you guys, this is the controversy. I might make some controversial statements on here, but guys, we got it. We got to get this into our head. We got to get into a mode of action. People are tired of hurting. Like I have two sons myself, cute little black little sons. I love them, but I could not even imagine. I can't even begin to fathom having to cry over a casket that holds one of my sons. However, that is the reality of a lot of black mothers across the United States and even across the world, just because of this thing called racism. So think about it, guys. How does how does racism impact you? How does it does it really impact our lives as we live it? How does it impact the way that we grow up and the ideals that form in our mind about life and living? How does that help or hurt? that type of ideology that we have? How does it impact the way that we raise our children? How does it impact the way that you raise your sons versus your daughters? Now, coming out of the whole black experience, this question goes to any of our white listeners or any of our black listeners who have white friends who you can have this conversation with. Like, how does racism impact the way that you live? And it goes more than, oh, I have a black friend. Please don't denigrate us by saying, oh, I have a black friend. My granddaughter is black. My granddaughter is half black. No, you're just making a statement of fact. We're talking about how can you be a part of the change to actually make a change in this society when it comes to racism? Because the thing is, black people are cool. All right. If you stop getting if you get to the point where you stop hurting us, where white people stop hurting black people in any type of racist way, we could actually have a society that's worth bragging about to the world. Right now, we are not living in a society that we can brag about to the world at all because we're still living in a state of civil war. And the people who are losing People are expecting us to stand up and be the bigger person. But as I mentioned earlier, guys, we have been the bigger person for over 400 years. We have literally been the person, the people who have been bending over backwards, trying to get a race of people to have love or just have a basic human respect of us. However, that never, ever happens. But one thing that I honestly fear, and it should be something that is feared all across the United States and even across the world, is something that um, a very famous person 
John Paul Sartre said many years ago, and it quotes, what did you expect when you removed the gag that closed those black mouths? That they would sing your praises? Those heads that your father pressed to the ground, did you expect to read adoration in their eyes when they could look up? End quote. Think about that, guys. We are, in, we are not in a state of having a conversation. We are beyond that. That's why when we get into listening to different podcasts or different panels or going to different town halls or different roundtable discussions, those um, events, even though they look good, it's great to add to your resume. What are those events or the people who are involved with putting that event together or even people who just participate in those types of events? Tell me, guys. How many times do they give you action items that they're going to come back and check up on to make sure that those action items are actually done? I will tell you that the answer is none. Never. They'll sit back and say what needs to be done. However, when action needs to happen, the only action that we know of is marching up and down the street. Racists don't care about us marching. They know we're going to get tired. We're going to go home. And after the 15 seconds of fame and um, it's gone, it's over. The cameras are gone and over. It's not trendy to wear um, a particular Black Lives Matter T-shirt or a face mask in this coronavirus time. You know, once that time is over, people are going home and they're on to the next thing. They're on to, oh, what song did Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion come out with? And then the consciousness has shifted. And then right before you know it, you can sneeze. And then another black person is gunned down by the police. Another Karen is using her um, whiteness, her privilege of whiteness, her privilege of white womanhood that Bea Richards spoke about many years ago. And if you don't know what Bea Richards, check it out, guys. B-E-A-H Richards. Be, look up Bea Richards. And what she said uh, in her piece called A Black Woman Speaks of White Womanhood. So all of these Karens are raising up and they're using their um, privilege of white womanhood to exact it against black people just because of their racism. And their words are literally like a gun in the back of any person of color. Because their word is bond over anything that a black person could possibly say, no matter how truthful this black person is, her word will always be over a black person's word. So what are you going to do about it? What I tell my um, people, hey, keep on videotaping. One day it'll click. One day it will work. One day we will have justice in this society, but justice won't come if people are just looking for black people, black people, excuse me, to continue to bend over, to lay down, to become walking mats, doormats for people to continue walking over, cleaning their shoes off on. Guys, this is too much. And the crazy thing is we have become so desensitized to all of these images of black people getting killed that, you know, it's like, this is still going on. Yes, it's still going on because nobody, nobody is willing to actually stand up and speak out about it. Guys, 
We got to be better than this. We have to do better than this. And if you really want to truly celebrate Black History Month, and I know right now it's Hispanic Heritage Month, um, any month that represents any person of color in our world, but going to Black History Month, you want to celebrate Black History Month and come outside in all of your um, lovely African garb. Um, you come out and you're saying you're having your kids learn these little Black History speeches, learning about the big four, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, um, Frederick Douglass, and Harriet Tubman, because they don't teach you about people who truly resisted. They don't teach you, teach you about Nat Turner, Demark Basie. They really don't. They don't teach you about people who stood up for change because they are controlling the narrative. Guys, we are a collection of our past. We are a collection of our future. We are a collection of our present. We have to move forward together. And we have to do so in peace and in harmony or this creation that has been placed here upon this earth. We will kill ourselves out before the heavens actually said that it was our time to go. We have to be better than this and we have to do better than this. So um, thank you all for um, listening in today. I hope some of this has motivated you to get out there, start figuring out how you can actually make some change happen in this society. I hope this um, encourages conversations between you and your non-Black friends so we can get to a point where we know that, hey, racism is not okay. Yes, it could have been here for several hundreds of years, thousands of years, or what have you. However, that does not mean it is okay. It does not mean that it is okay. And if you're, controlled, if you're concerned, excuse me, about people's souls, be concerned with how they live on earth. The way we're living now is not the way that it was meant for us to live. It is not the way that Jesus meant for his people to live. There is no one greater than the other. The only one that's greater than us is God himself. We are all equal. If you truly believe in what this country was set up for, if you truly believe in the word that you actually go to church on Sundays for most of you go to church on Sunday. Some people celebrate their Sabbath on Saturdays. However, you go to church. If you truly believe in what the word says, what the Lord says about his people, I dare you to try to live like Jesus. I dare you to live by the word of God because Jesus is not a a God of hate. He is a God of love. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is not just your neighbor who looks just like you. Your neighbor is everybody that is out here in this world while you're living here. One of the things that I also tell um, some of my, my coworkers at my um, job is that even though I've been out of college, away from my college, say I graduated, let's see, 16 years ago from college, 
I don't look at it. I don't look like it. <laughs> but one thing that always um, has always stayed with me during my time at college and since I've left 16 years ago was this Bible verse that our college was basically founded on. Now, my college is not a Christian college at all, but it is a college that is based upon Christian principles. So the Bible verse is Acts 17 and 26. It says, God has made of one blood all peoples of the earth. God has made of one blood all peoples of the earth. And if people can truly embrace what God said in his word, that's when we will have true peace. And it's not about, oh, black people, you need to do this and you need to get on the microphone at this press conference after we've killed your family member and say that you have you forgive these officers. You know, we're not we're beyond having an apologetic heart. We may forgive you so we can stay good in the kingdom of God. However, you still need to change. Judgment Day will definitely come for all of us, but don't make your Judgment Day a lot worse than it has to be just because of your racist heart and your racist beliefs. We're not doing this. When you look at different, um, you do a little research, you look at different sites to try to see where all of these hate groups are and learn, you know, you see, um, oh, this is a Christian group. Oh, this is a Christian group. This is a Christian group. Did you really believe if Jesus lived like as a, a man in the flesh in this day and time, do you really believe that Jesus would be doing all of these racist things against people? A few years ago, some years ago, a couple of decades ago, I'll say we used to say this thing, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus go and put all of the black people out of China? Would he really? Would he really go and put um, all of the um, people of one race out of a particular country? If he said, okay, well, um, if Jesus was a relative, <laughs> would he not hire, um, not hire, but would he not bring in um, black people to live in the homes that he has? Or a certain race of people? Would he just say, oh, no, no, we don't, um, we don't sell homes to you. We don't rent homes to your people. Will Jesus really have that hate in his heart that you have for other people? Will he make the excuses for racism that you make every single day? Would he be so stuck in a negative consciousness that he can't even see his way out of? And we know that that's not the truth because nothing negative comes from Jesus. Everything is positive. Everything is true. And what's true about this situation, guys, Something has to give, and what has to give is that white people, racist white people, I would say, because there are some white people who um, I love and I cherish. I love and I cherish them because they are honestly really, really good people. Good people can happen everywhere. Evil people can ex um, happen everywhere as well. But I charge you guys, you all really, really need to get to the point where you start learning how to love from within. You have to love yourself. 
So you can get to the point where you love people outside of yourself, not just people who look like you, but people who live outside of yourself, outside of your frame of reference, outside of your being. I want you all to go over to Instagram right now. If you are driving, please just, um, you know, pull over to the side, please on Instagram, go to the controversy podcast, the controversy podcast. Make sure you type in the T H E in the beginning. Make sure you add me on here. This is where we're going to get all of our content together. You'll know when the shows are coming up and when they're going to air, where you can actually find those particular um, episodes, because I want to make sure that I can get my message out to the people. Guys, it's, it's the controversy. I might say, it might say some things that you don't necessarily agree with. It might hit you a, um, a certain type of way. You might have to sit back in your chair a little bit and think about some things. That's exactly what I want because one thing you will realize with me is that I say what needs to be said, but I also do what needs to be done. That's my time for you all today. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Make sure you go over there to Instagram, save me, add me on Instagram, and we're going to be connected Peace. It's that controversy with Laquita Middleton. Hey. Mm.